Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. That's right, Chelsea fans. New season, new intro, same three bums bringing the London is Blue podcast (laughs) to you. That's right, Dan, Nick, and myself. Man, can you believe that, Dan? Season five of the London is Blue. I didn't even record the first episode, so the fact we're here blows my mind. How do we go from being, you know, gents or lads in season one to somehow being bums in season five? I just don't get that. It's a natural progression. (laughs) I mean, what? Once you've heard, once you've heard one of our shows, you you pretty much put us in bum category. I think it's probably it's probably your beard. You know, you, you just need to shave that thing oh, off for the new season. Oh, oh, that's See, not look, offend our, our boy, people with our beards. Our boy Alex Goldberg shaved it off. You know, kept it clean. Isn't going to shave until I think Calm Hudson Joyce scores five in all competitions. Oh, so. Jeez, here we go. <laughs> Alex is about to have himself a beard then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with a new season, uh, we also have a new show format. So we're actually just going to throw it out to you guys. You should be getting two episodes every single week. One nice long match review episode. And then we're going to put our uh, you know, our social media questions and other episodes and content and parts uh, like our match preview and stuff in the second piece. So the good news for you is it just should be more content that you're already getting. But this will give us more time to dig in deeper, which we weren't able to do last season. So uh, you have been warned, more content is awesome. But besides Dan and Nick, we do have a, a new guest to the show, a first time, uh, M- Mateo. How's it going, man? All good, and uh, unfortunately, the people listening don't know the initiation that I had to go through with you guys to even get on this podcast. But I'm excited to be here finally. It's true. It, uh, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. It was non-physical because we're all remote. Oh, it was him listening to our audio levels. It's a it's a really tough initiation. We spike test, a couple test. times. Test. Test, test. Um, Mateo, for those of you who don't, or for our listeners who don't know you, um, what are you doing these days? Who are you? Why are we excited to have you on? Because your coverage on BN Sports in Serie A. Are you saying that I'm not in the bum category then? No, Before no, when no, you're no. no. That. no. Oh, Absolutely um, I not. Appreciate that. I appreciate that I went that one peg up. Um, so 
I've been covering uh, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, and NASL for the last five years for being sports. I used to write for ESPN Soccernet, covering mostly Serie A. But because of being sports, we've expanded and I've been able to basically cover all sorts of European football. And this summer in particular, I thought with Mauricio Savi going to Chelsea, I was like, you know what? I need to really invest myself into one team to, to fully immerse myself in the Premier League and give me a reason to watch the games on replay because oftentimes when I do the commentary, it's at a conflicting hour, so I'm not able to watch the games live. So I picked Chelsea because of Saturday, because of Jorginho. There was kind of uh, that, that factor of familiarity and also accessibility. So if I go to London, which is a city that I'll travel to when I go to Europe, I usually stop over in London. I can just uh, go easily see a Chelsea match, and it's not that far up the road. So accessibility and I think familiarity, obviously also the whole thing with the Italian managers. It seems like you guys only get Italian managers. So that's another <laughs> thing is I'm Italian-American that I kind of liked about the club. And I also like the blue kit. So it's it's a few reasons to get my feet wet. I think that uh, Dan's going to tell you that if you see the yellow one in person, you're not going to be disappointed either. It is a I, you know quite, what? I don't like fire. it. I don't like it in TV. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh. I know that you guys don't want to hear that, but I, I'm not. I'm not for it. And I actually you, just you know got what? the blue kit delivered today. Great. It, it's it's fair. It actually looks much better. Like there's some you know, there's minor details on the the shoulders that you can't really see on TV. It doesn't pop. But you know, Chelsea winning in any color is uh, is a great thing to talk about. So. <laughs> Yes. Mateo is a hater of yellow, just for everyone. He hates all things that are yellow. <laughs> That's um, true. Don't want to see me around mustard. Nope. Lame Coldplay. <laughs> all right. Well, as we as we kind of always do, uh, shout-outs for five-star reviews on iTunes because it helps us out so much. Uh, Dan, another one on the board. Yeah, KT Maynard giving us a little five-star love, saying it's just what the doctor ordered. Also tried to sneak a question in there, too, about uh, first-choice center-back pairings. Don't worry. We got you <laughs> much later. In regards to a little bit of a, a depth chart around uh, center backs and our defenders, but thank you for that. And as always, drop a five star on iTunes, and we'll uh, give you a little shout out at the beginning of the episode. Oh, I, I love the sneaky play there. I think that is that's well done. Uh, we it might be we, a, it might be the second time I've ever seen it. So yeah, yeah, that's underutilized. We we tell people every week we're like, hey, I mean, if you want to be a part of the show, do it. And I don't think anyone's really taken that route. So well done, KT. All right, we also do have some Patreon names as well. Akshay and Josh, thank you both for supporting the show. Rewards are on the way. Don't even worry about it. Um, But before we get into the match review, Nick, just real quick, we do have kind of an exciting buildup on Instagram. Yeah, we, we like to keep you guys updated on all the things that we're doing over here. And one of the major investments we've made over the last um i would say a year or so has been into instagram so uh, you've heard a shout out instagram before on the show if you're a, a long time listener uh, we are nearing ten thousand followers which is a, a big milestone for us um mike has been putting in a just a crazy amount of effort and time into building our audience up over there by providing custom content graphics Instagram stories, questions, polls, everything. It's been, uh, it's been a, a crazy amount of effort. And we're really proud of, of building that channel up to uh, to where it is today. So let's get over the hump. Let's get up. Let's get past 10k. Uh, once we do that, we'll, you'll be able to swipe up in our in our stories for more custom content. Uh, we think it's really going to open us up to to do more things. So uh, tell your friends. Uh, you know, create an Instagram account for your for your sibling and then follow us and uh and do that so we can get over 10k i think dogs are a pretty popular thing too you do for your pets dogs are great dogs are <laughs> awesome. and before that that you know we go down that rabbit hole uh the match <laughs> review time here we go huddersfield town first weekend of the premier league action it is back this summer although Woo. it went so fast i am so happy that we are back at it john smith stadium this past saturday score blues three Terriers, nada, nothing. Clean sheet from a boy, Keppa. Uh, Dan, as you keep decided to pin us to predictions, which is ridiculous, I'm gonna say we all kind of won. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's not that's not accurate. That is not an accurate representation of our terrible picks and predictions uh, per normal. Uh, I will say, if you want to give like a half point, if we're getting into that type of like grasping at straws. Then uh, Brandon and myself did predict a clean sheet. We had faith in the young keeper. 
and he delivered and you know Brandon had one goal I had two nobody had three and then Nick and Mike were both uh two one victories hold, for Chelsea hold so. up though we all predicted that Willie was gonna start <laughs> last last week in our prediction so let's not give ourselves too much credit no nope, but we will steal as much as we absolutely can um, all right. Well, Dan, walk us through the lineups, and I, I promise we will dig into them a little bit later. But at least give us a little bit of surprise of what Sadri went with for his first 4-3-3 formation of the season. Yeah, it didn't take long for Keppa to make it in between the sticks, so Willie got to enjoy a seat on the bench. Chelsea legend Rob Green not selected for this match, unfortunately. Uh, Rudiger, Alonso, Aspilicueta, David Luiz, the lineup we saw most frequently in preseason, makes it into the back four. Jorginho, Conte, and Barkley in the middle of the pitch with Pedro William and Alvaro Morata up top. You did see Victor Moses come in, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Ed Hazard all made appearances with Drew Christensen, Zappa Costa, somehow still a Chelsea player, on the bench for this matchup. All right, so Mateo bringing you in on this, obviously with this being Sarri's you know, first lineup, I personally was actually surprised that he brought Kepa Ariza Balaga in right off the bat. Uh, maybe N'Golo Kante, he's never tired, so it's not like that was an issue from the World Cup. Um, but what did you kind of make of this? Obviously, four three three is going to be the standard with him. Any surprises or anything that popped out to you? So, first of all, the whole Kepa point. The day before, he was saying that Kepa's no Courtois, that you know Courtois is unique, and that Kepa, I, he almost forgot his age. He's like, I think he's 23 years old, so that's never good when you just sign the most expensive goalkeeper of all time. For seven but years. I, <laughs> I was I, exactly. I was actually quite surprised at how many similarities there were with his Napoli sides of the past few years and his Chelsea side. I mean, forgetting the whole four-three-three thing in the formation, but just the fact that in the midfield he had Jorginho, then he had a box-to-box aggressive player or what he wants Conte to be, and then Barkley, who's supposed to be more of an attack-minded midfielder, which is exactly what he had in Napoli. Up front, he has a striker that I know that right now he's not a Chelsea favorite, but Morata still a striker that's quick, that has a good touch, and two wingers that can one that can go to the outside with pace, and one that can cut inside. So he almost had all the ingredients of the team that he succeeded with. The problem was you could see that the style of Sarri is going to take a long time to really integrate. He said it. Give us time. Give us a few months. Sarri's first few months at uh, Napoli were actually disastrous. I think he picked up one win in his first six matches with Napoli. Everyone was saying, I should go back to working in the bank in Tuscany. He doesn't belong in a team with his wage bill. Well, now he's gone to a real wage bill because the Napoli wage bill is like 80 million euro. I mean, Chelsea is a different story altogether. And you can almost see the the first glimmers of Sarri ball. It's it's kind of like a tiki-taka, but the whole idea of Saudi's football is that it's going to be a lot more vertical. It's not going to be as many side-to-side passes like what we saw with Huddersfield where players were, you know, resetting possession, going side-to-side. It didn't look quick at times, especially in the first 45 minutes. I thought that Chelsea looked a bit tentative, and I was actually really impressed with Huddersfield. It, it's not a team that I've watched all too too much, but I, I was actually really impressed with the way that Huddersfield tried to play up the pitch, the way that they pressed and you could see that it's it's going to be a work in progress. So the thing that I would say to every Chelsea fan listening on is give Sadri time, give patience. I don't want to see a hashtag Sadri out, or honestly, I'm going to close my Twitter account. That is absolutely ridiculous. You have to give them time if you want to go for from such a, a polar opposite style that uh, Antonio Conte had, that defensive 3-4-3 to what Sadri's trying to do. But I think in the second half, guys, we, we definitely saw – some of the things that we can come to expect in the next few months looking ahead. Awesome. We will bring the conversation back to that exact point, Matteo, I promise you. Uh, but Nick, before we get into too much more, did you see at VFactor 07's question about this season and the lineup and the puns? Did I? Did I ever? Um, yeah, so he, he says, great win. Uh, better things are yet to come. We just have to be patient, kind of echoing what Matteo just said. My question is, how many puns have y'all, very, very Southern, uh, come up with so far this season? Ha ha. Brandon, um, would you like to read your own tweet as it offended me greatly? I didn't even hesitate. I said zero and we're not allowing Nick Verlaney space on the pod to add any. <laughs> just wait. Just wait until I get into it. But, He's going to um, find a way to sneak one in. Uh, it's just going to happen this episode and dude. we all can just, you know, 
facepalm. Yep, consider it done. Just, All right. Just wait for it. Well, let's go ahead and run through the goals. So, Nick, you know, uh, 34th minute, your boy, this isn't a pun, this is his actual name, Angolo Conte, assists from William, one nothing Blues. Uh, yeah, so if you if you remember the first thirty minutes of this match, um, it was kind of slow. It was kind of tepid. There wasn't a ton of um, you know kind of runs in behind. There was a really good combination that led up to this goal where William kind of got baseline and and put a really kind of hard fast cross across the box. There was no uh, time for the goalkeeper to react, and you know our, our boy Angolo who has found room. Um, up the pitch instead of around the center circle this year, uh, you know, takes a, a really kind of difficult cross. And you know, I don't know if he shinned it or, or what he did, but uh, it went in the back of the net and it took, I don't know, I was in, I was at the pub in Kansas city and it took quite a, quite a while for us to realize that the goal went in because it just didn't seem like it, it did for whatever reason. Because maybe uh, N'Golo didn't even react. <laughs> yeah. He, I didn't even know who scored it initially either because there was just like this mob around him and, and they showed Barkley on the screen first. So I was like, oh, well, I guess good for him. But uh, but yeah, it was N'Golo with the with the first goal of the season. William with a with an interesting assist. Not sure if he meant it, um, but still uh, still counts. And uh, we're off and running, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Next one, 40th minute, Alonzo draws a penalty and Jorginho converts 2-0. Dan... Uh, we don't really need to talk about anything other than how much you love his hop, skip, and a jump for a penalty kick. It, it's quite amazing. And I, I love the fact that uh, Sari ended up saying that it, apparently it's the way he's always done it. And he's made 10 out of his last penalty takes. And you know what? It's warmed its way into my heart. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I think Eden still gets the nod if he's on the pitch to, to take the penalties because he's just – Iceman, you know, and is it's all solid going through his veins. There's no liquid in there, and but you know, it's nice to know you have a second, very capable, extremely talented penalty taker. So anyone who can kick it that way from the dead ball spot is uh, is good on my books. The the photo the photo of the whole match really quick is uh, one that I think was taken through Bleacher Report or I don't know where, but it is Jorginho completely off of the ground before kicking the ball. They like did a freeze frame. Not one blade of grass is touching one ounce of a shoe, and uh, it just kind of shows you that the goalkeepers don't know what to do with it, Brandon. They don't know where he's going, and it, like it was almost a, a kind of an fu kind of penalty because the goalkeeper just looked at him like, "Dude, what the hell?" You can't get your rhythm, so you always try to like plant before, right before they shoot, so you can get your momentum going. And when someone swan dives into a penalty like that, you're just you're frozen <laughs> before it happens. It's like it's. I felt bad essentially for uh, for Hunter Seals goalkeeper, but not that bad because we kept on going. Um, it is super difficult though, just to touch on. 80th minute, Mateo. This had to have been one of uh, you knew it was coming. 80th minute, Pedro gets to go off of Hazard sis. This is about his third run right down the middle, just dancing around the Huddersfield players. Um, you know, found Pedro in ton of space. He had he had options on either wing, uh, and you know, Pedro with a nice little dink finish at the end of it. Yeah, what's incredible about that for me is Hazard. It felt like he played that ball at the very last second before it would have gotten deflected. I mean, it was probably an inch around the the leg of the defender, perfectly into stride for Pedro. And I actually think Pedro is going to be the player that is going to be one of the most improved under Sarri. He hasn't played in a system like this since his days at Barcelona, where he was scoring at one point 20 goals in all competitions. I mean, he was part of the team that went to the Champions League final, that won the Champions League final, and kind of like one of those guys that, for whatever reason, just didn't never got the limelight. I, maybe it's because of how he was off the pitch or because of the names around him, but even that finish at the end, the little chip over the top, that's so impossible to stop. Ben Hamer, the, the goalkeeper for Huddersfield, he went to ground, but that ball from Hazard, I mean, I, I think in that moment you could see – that Hazard under Sarri, the movement that he's going to get, the freedom that I think he's going to get as well, is going to make him maybe have his top scoring season in terms of uh, not just top scoring, but also in terms of how many goals he's directly involved in, whether it's assists or goals. And what a great start. What was it? Just a few minutes after he came in. Yeah. The, the nutmeg assist, though. I mean, it was, it, it, I don't know, it's a thing of beauty, Brandon. No, absolutely. I mean, you got to. You gotta love all, all the things that Eden's doing like that. He was uh, definitely having himself a day, and uh, that'll be our another thing we get into. 
just a quick shout out for our Dale Hall on Twitter uh, saying the first three goals were Angolo, Jorginho, and Pedro. Oh my. Chances, the chances of this were one in a bazillion or one in a gazillion. <laughs> Literally, like, what are the odds that all Which three number of those is bigger? <laughs> flip, a, flip a coin <laughs> at this time. Um, you know, that just goes to show you pretty unlikely scores, but, you know. Things are clicking a little bit. So let's go ahead and dive into the actual match itself. Uh, with the first one coming about Maurizio, he's saying he's been setting the expectations low every chance he gets, Nick. Uh, so with low expectations, did his lineup make you think he was preparing for the long run or going for the, in quotes, easy three points today? I have no idea. Um, you know, I think we were all disappointed to see that Callum Hudson Adoy was not in, you know, even on the bench. Um, it, it, you know, I think if mo- most people assume that Victor Moses would be, you know, loaned at, you know, this point. So, you know, I love Vic just as much as anybody. And those who have listened to the show for a long time will know that. Um, but, you know, I certainly think that Callum earned his chance to at least be on the bench for this match. We all thought he would start. Uh, not the William Pedro combo that never really delivered for us last year, uh, but I, you know, I think, you know, in in the long term, that that's kind of the surprise that I have. We we all know that Ethan Ampadu is going to really struggle to break through as a a starting center back. I don't know if it's a surprise that he wasn't you know afforded the the spot on the bench as much as as the uh, infamous Callum Hudson Odoi, but that's just a uh, my my perspective on that. I mean, it's certainly. I don't know. To me, it kind of gave me a little bit of time and perspective that I think the the pressure on Maurizio Sarri right now is so large, not only with fan expectations on the style of play, but board um, the board expectations on on winning you know, with with the talent that you know that they've either purchased or or have retained. Um, that he, much like Antonio, is not in a place right now to take you know, risks on, on younger players, you know, even if Callum Hudson and had a knock or, you know, whatever the, the case was, I think they're, you know, the, the pressure on these guys is just so crazy that, you know, playing experience makes a lot of sense, Dan. Yeah. I definitely feel like we would have seen Callum if he was 100% fit. I, I don't know if I necessarily buy into the narrative that, you know, Victor Moses or, you know, even, um, you know, Pedro William, uh, you know, obviously Pedro had a little time off this summer, more so than William. Yeah, I, I think Callum Hudson and Doyle was everything we wanted to see from a bright attacking young winger. And, you know, I think we were all surprised. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you end up winning the game, you could be disappointed in the starting 11 not matching the one that you've generated in your football manager or FIFA save or your projected lineup. Three points, a victory, three goals, clean sheet. There's there's too many positives to, for this to be something to be generally upset about. You know, I, I think what you saw throughout the match is Ruben Loftus-Cheek got minutes, which is something that under other previous regimes or managers you wouldn't necessarily see. You would get to see him ride the bench and then get like a complimentary like handout minute. Like he, you know, watched through the entire movie or whatever, so he got like a free ticket for next time. <laughs> you know, th- this this gave him an opportunity to actually play significant minutes for an extended period of time and actually get a chance to experience life, you know, under Mauricio Sarri in a live game setting in the Premier League. And I think that shows that there's a flexibility and willingness to integrate these players. So I would, you know, much like Matteo, you know, cautioned and suggested patience for the general just adoption of Sarri's ethos and philosophy. I think we need to also be calm and patient that these players through Premier League, Europa League, League Cup, FA Cup are going to get their minutes and they wouldn't be with the club at this point and the club would have invested more in players in these positions if they weren't going to be able to be played. Hmm. I mean, logic sounds fun, but it's not realistic. <laughs> no, no, no. So It doesn't really play well on Twitter. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. So, Mateo, the way I kind of look at this lineup is I feel like David Luiz and Rudiger probably won't be the starting center backs at the end of the season. I don't know if Alonzo will hold this place versus Emerson. I just think Emerson's much more of a traditional left back, but Alonzo showed some flashes today. And then obviously I think Ross Barkley is still kind of playing for his spot. So I think that there'll still be some changes based off, you know, kind of who's on the bench and, and what Sarri's looking for. But but from your perspective, 
how did this lineup kind of pan out in your mind based on what you think Sari's trying to do with what he what he has? Yeah, just really quickly about Hudson Odoi, because I just uh, agreed with um, what I heard before that patience is the most important thing with him. It's very different to do well in a preseason tournament or a community shield or an ICC game than it is the first game or the second game of the Premier League season or even next week uh, at the, at the first game at home. There's no reason to rush these kids. And I know that with Chelsea, they've let a lot of these youngsters go then who never got the, the time. I actually was doing commentary today on uh, Bertrand Traoré, who's been brilliant in league on a player that Saudi, I'm sure, could use this season in that right wing position. But going back to this lineup, I, I think it makes sense. You don't have the youngsters in. There's no reason to rush them in now. You know, you can you can wean them slowly. Maybe you bring them in the odd cup game against the lower division team, whether it's a championship or a league one team, and you just let them not feel like the burden of responsibilities on their shoulder. There's no reason right now to rush them in. And quite frankly, Saudi's just trying to get points at the start of the season and build on something and really build for the future. But I'm glad that we saw Kepa right away. I'm glad that we saw Jorginho down the spine. And for the center backs, I think Rudiger is the one that could really do well. I think with David Luiz, for his passing ability, which obviously it's not bad for a center back, and his touch isn't bad at all, but his brain, his his lapses in concentration in a Saudi system where the defenders they need to think so quickly, they always need to know where they're going before before the ball even comes to them, and that's what you saw at Napoli last season, where the ball would come to one of these defenders like Albiol or Koulibaly, and they would know with their first touch which direction they want to go, and, and I don't know if David Luiz is a player that will give you that consistently. I think he has too many mental lapses, and he's had these throughout his career, so I actually don't think that David Luiz is the one that's going to stick around the starting lineup too often when Sarri is there, but even Morata, to me, Morata is not a center forward. I think he's much better as a winger. I think this is where he was at his best at Juve when he can run at people and, uh, and and cut inside on his right foot. I don't think he's a traditional center forward. He's certainly not a target man. Um, so I, I, for whatever reason, last season, you know, he started really well and then he tailed off at the second half of the season. But under Sarri, I hope Morata is a player that can get more chances and maybe we'll see him playing off of someone else. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, I agree with the fact that there weren't any youngsters from the get-go. I think Hudson Odoi was coming off an injury or had just picked up an injury. By the way, it wasn't 100% fit. And Ampadu, as a center back, that's even more pressure. I mean, he, he might actually have a chance coming in the fact that he played in the center of, of a midfield for, you know, up until recently. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, so I, I don't know if anyone else notices or if I'm just picking up on something that's a non-issue. I thought it was interesting that Rudiger is paired up with Aspilicueta and Luis is, is paired up with Alonso because Aspilicueta and Rudiger are far more athletic than Alonso and David Luis. So to me, it's like we have a super fast athletic right side and then we have a significantly slower left athletic on our left side. Any, anyone pick up on that, Nick? I mean, does that make sense, or is that just kind of weird? That, or am I digging in too deep at nothing really? I mean, I think we're gonna have to see what the configurations continue to look like. You know, I think that there's probably, you know, based on you know who might be running uh, at the you know at the respective right and left sides, there could be you know a strategy behind that. You know, I also think that. David Luiz is kind of taking up the, in that respect, he's kind of taking up the role that uh, JT took up uh, in that in that kind of right center back or like left center back spot. So maybe just from a leadership standpoint, it makes sense to have him there. Um, but I mean, Rudiger is so flexible too that you know you could easily see him based on any number of configurations that he would play on either the right or left side. He, he could also play right back in, in a pinch too. So he's uh, he's just a, a a very flexible, tactically sound center back who I think is going to have a really good year. So really quickly on Rudiger, uh, he played as a center back in a back three. He's played as a right back, a left back, a center back in a back four. So he literally is probably the most versatile player who can fill any sort of role. He's done that in his career. And I actually like him under Sarri because of his quickness, because of the fact that, you know, th that back line is going to push up near the halfway line. And the times that a team's going to try to play the ball over the top of the counter, 
I think Rudiger is the player that you want there to, to close down the space, to make sure that no one is streaking forward and getting uh, past the last defender. So to me, Rudiger, when Sadi went there, I, I remember looking at the Chelsea squad and kind of thinking, right, these are the players that I expect to make a significant leap. I thought of Pedro right away. But in the defense, I think Rudiger is actually going to become one of the more solid uh, center backs for the team. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have high hopes for Rudiger, and, and you know he's really grown into the Chelsea team. Uh, you know, a fan favorite because that dude just—I mean—he always puts hashtag hustling on stuff, and there's no doubt about that. His his commitment or work ethic. Um, so so kind of looking at maybe a a bit at the team holistically, Matteo. Obviously, you coming from a lot of Serie A background and and seeing Maurizio's sorry ball, as as everyone's calling it. Um, I actually thought we saw glimpses of this in the match. Uh, particularly, I thought the play leading up to the Alonzo penalty, 14 passes in the buildup, uh, some quick short passes at the top of the box with a flick in uh, behind the defenders where Alonzo ran into. How much sorry ball did you see, and what are the big changes that the squad still needs to make to carry out at least Sadi's stylistic demands? It's funny because in terms of changes, I think the most incredible thing about Saudi is that he revolutionized players. Uh, he revolutionized a player like Dries Mertens, who was basically a super sub scoring five goals a season, and he turned him into a player that scored 30 goals in a season as a false nine. So I I think also with, uh, with Jorginho, the fact that Chelsea got him, and I remember last season with Napoli when he wasn't there, the few times he didn't play, the team that just did not look the same. Jorginho is one of the quickest thinkers. He has that ability that Pirlo, that Busquets has, where he knows where to go with his first touch. And as the deepest midfielder, that is the most important thing. His first touch, you can already see, he knows the direction he's going in. It's like he's got eyes in the back of his head. And he always knows where the easy option is. He has no problem uh, resetting possession. Uh, so for me, Jorginho is is going to be the, the 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 eyes, the brains of Sarri Ball on the pitch. Uh, players like Pedro, who are very good at in quick, tight spaces, maybe not the quickest in the straight line, but Pedro still has that acceleration to to create a little bit of space. But with Sarri Ball, it's all about the movement. It's almost like the synchronized movement off the ball, where so many times when a player for Napoli was in possession, the movement around him, you'd see it the same. It just it requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of training. Um, Sadi's used drones in training to try to show possession and uh, positioning. Sorry, and basically when the left back goes here, this is where the center back. This is where the midfield need to go. So it became a case of the team playing on memory, unlike anything that any of those players had ever seen. So that's why it's going to take months and months to integrate. This isn't something that uh, is can can happen in a few weeks. I mean, Sadi's been there what for a month, and he just got Hazard and all the other players who went deep in the World Cup just a few weeks ago. I think it was just before the Community Shield where he's like, I haven't even talked to some of my guys that are supposed to be the stars. I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous situation uh, that a lot of managers, unfortunately, are put in. And then it's them who get the heat right away in the beginning of the season when things start off slowly. But I couldn't think of a better result and a better thing to happen, especially in that first half when I was like, uh-oh, you know, is, is, are people going to start turning on him? Are we going to actually see the kind of creativity and free-flowing football? But I think in the second half, there was a big turnaround. The players played a bit more confidently, obviously trying to impress the manager and try to win back a spot because with a new manager comes new hopes for everyone on the team that maybe were castaways under Conte. Yeah, I, definitely. the it, Dan, we saw Jorginho literally marshalling from the midfield. You literally pass there. You literally run there. I mean, the guy knows Maurizio Sardi's, obviously, his his intentions, his style, the play of everything. I mean, he's immediately come in and, and taken that leadership role and saying, hey, I'm going to help this team transition and, 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 you know, kind of take on these responsibilities. It was great to see. Yeah, I think we, you know, we ended up having a pretty solid transfer window, all things said and done. But if we ended up getting sorry without Jorginho, the time to actually implement the strategies to see it executed on the pitch would have taken so much longer. And the benefit of Jorginho coming in is he was able to immediately plug in like a, you know, a peripheral to a USB port plugged in and it was just plug and play and has started to help educate during matches during game time 
what needs to happen. And so it's like you have the manager on the sideline who's helping provide direction on the larger kind of elements of the game. And then you have the mini manager who's actually living with you on the pitch who is helping say, hey, no, pass it here or you need to put the ball there. And that, I think, is helping get this game moving just a little bit faster. You know, there's still been a couple times where someone passes back to him and, you know, he's kind of maybe been closed down a little quicker because the person distributing the ball back to him has uh, not known what to do. But I think that's where, over time, we're going to see that quick format of passing really executed at a high level. And you saw it more more often than not in the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes as, you know, Hazard came onto the pitch too. And I, there was that one moment where Hazard made the run and Jorginho just – smiling in the background it's like what the hell just happened there i don't even know what i just witnessed and i think that's exciting to see you know when we get to see a full 75 80 90 minute match where the two of them are connecting uh, along with some of the other players as well i i think you made a really good point when you said Jorginho marshalling everywhere that's something else i noticed that he was constantly pointing at people you know he just joined the team and he's telling everyone exactly where they need to be almost like a coach on the pitch and that was remarkable for me to see but also in golo kante yes he has moved into a more advanced position but that does not necessarily mean it's a more attacking position yes it is when chelsea are in possession but when he's more advanced it's also kind of like a forward destroyer where he can win the ball back and he does that better than probably anyone in the premier league just cutting out the passing lanes constantly you know nipping at the heel so when he's in the final third and the team's trying to get out and Conte suddenly instead of being in the halfway line like he was under Conte he's just outside of the of the final third of the opposition's box he can win the ball back and suddenly it's a short field and Chelsea have an opportunity I think that's going to be brilliant uh, so Matteo on the other you know two midfielders that we saw besides the kind of impeccable N'Golo Conte and Jorginho uh, we got a question from Gertej um, about Barkley and RLC so uh, said that Barkley and RLC are good are good midfield depth, and I expect them to be used. But Kovacic will be starting in the midfield three, or at least he assumes uh, that's going to happen. Uh, do you think that Sari will utilize his full squad more so than at Napoli, or is he going to stick to you know more of the just the starters and let everyone else go? I think he's going to take some time to realize who his best 11 are, but when he does, he's not going to sway from that. He did that more than any other manager that I can think of where basically this is my team. I don't care what the owner says. I don't care who the owner brings in. He can sign whoever the heck he wants, but I'm sticking with my guys. And that actually really pissed off the Napoli president, um, Aurelio De Laurentiis, because he would bring in all these young players and they weren't getting a minute. That's not to say that Sadi doesn't want to give youth a chance because he has in the past. It's just that once he has his starting 11, he's probably not going to budge too much. Now, the Premier League's different. You know, you've got the Capital One Cup. You've got the, the League Cup. You've got, obviously, uh, European football to go along with the Premier League. So the youngsters will get a chance there. But in terms of the Premier League, where I think it's going to be the most important this season for Sarri, Kovacic coming in, I assume he's going to be the third midfielder. He has maybe one of the best through balls on the ground that I've seen in recent times. He reminds me a bit of, uh, of Guti at Real Madrid. And... The problem with Kovacic uh, is that he was a Real Madrid player because he would have started for most other teams. But when you go to Real Madrid, it's the best team in the world. Uh, they've done something that no one else has now, three European Cups in a row. And Kovacic just could not break into that team. But he is incredibly technical. He has a low center. I remember standing next to him when he was in Miami in the ICC at Inter. He's such a small guy. But he's one of these guys like Shakiri, the way that he's built, that he's almost thicker than he is tall. And he just mm-hmm. looks like a little bull. He looks like a boxer. And he does give off this int- intimidating presence, that that short, uh, that low center of gravity, the way that he can absorb challenges. His technical ability and dribbling out of space and basically advancing, taking on defenders, going between the lines, having a bit of pace to run at people. And his vision and his through ball ability. He's not a scorer. He's not someone that's going to get forward and score you 10 goals a season. He's never been that. That's been his main weakness is his finishing but in terms of passing the way that he's going to be able to pick out Hazard and William and Pedro and Morata when they uh, run at the defense I think that's going to be a thing of beauty and I love the midfield right now on paper of Conte, uh, Jorginho and Kovacic because I think they all have different characteristics and I really think that they're going to go together well yeah, I think the the benefit it's you know the the midfield musketeers that we're going to end up having, and that's nice. 
Uh, I think one thing, you know, kind of looking a little bit more forward in the ball is, you know, we've talked a little bit about Pedro and, and how he's going to excel. I think Williams, another player who's fighting for his spot, especially as you look at having a, you know, a front three versus a, you know, maybe, you know, a, a front two or, you know, two people hanging behind one striker. So what's your thoughts on William and his integration underneath Sari? You know, is there a comparable kind of thought about, you know, where he might be deployed or how you would see him working? Listen, Sari turned Jose Callejon, who was a backup at Real Madrid, into a guy who scored 15 goals a season. I'm looking now at William the last few years. So he scored six goals last season, eight, five, two, and four. So never in the double digits. I think this could be the perfect time for him to maybe even play, if he were to ever play on the left, which isn't normally where he does, obviously because of a certain guy named Hazard. But if he could cut inside, if he could play a little bit more centrally and close to goal, and he has pace as well. And I think he's, what, maybe one of the quickest players on the team? But that's also a weapon that Sadi will see. With all the passing, the balls will come to him if he makes the right run. So that's another player that I think could really... Basically, all the attacking players, all the midfield players will have a drastic improvement. I think Sarri ball puts the most strain on the defenders, and they're the ones that are going to be the easiest to criticize because they're the ones that will be exposed when they push up. But for the attackers, uh, uh, I look at Napoli when they were under Rafa Benitez, who's now in Newcastle, and the players they had, and how less they scored than they did when Sadi came over. I mean, Iguain could hardly crack 20 goals a season. I think he had 18 or 16 at Napoli under um, Benitez. Sari comes in. Higuain says he's like my father figure, and then he breaks the Serie A single-season record for goal scoring. He puts 36 goals away, and he also got suspended late in the season. He probably could have hit 40. He's never come anywhere that close with any other manager in any other season. That's why I'm so hopeful about any one of these attacking players uh, meeting maybe a career high. All right. I mean, this is great apparently everyone's gonna have a career season so let's <laughs> just <laughs> exactly. wrap it up i'm pumped no, no 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 this is good uh so we had one from polycracker on instagram saying does it seem like hazard has already figured out sorry ball he was scary good but, to, but you know to me there's some asterisks there so huddersfield probably gonna be in a relegation fight we we all talked about that in our season preview um Maritsu even said hey i wanted him to go in the last 15 20 minutes against the team when they're tired so he's also coming in fresh against the team who we've already been running at for 70, 75 minutes. So I, I think that he probably, I don't know. So to, so to me, he actually spent a lot of time at the beginning going back deep in the midfield just to get the ball. Once we finally got him in the attacking half and he was finding pockets of space to run at, I think it was just going to be a lot better for him. I, I don't know. You're probably too early since he's literally been there a week saying, has he figured it out? Uh, to me, there was like, two different phases for his art is the one where he's too deep getting the ball standing right next to Jorginho. And then the second one where he was getting it from Jorginho, turning a defender or turning a midfielder and then running at the back line. At least that's kind of where I viewed it from this match. Nick Conte and Conte. So he's box to box. Mateo kind of talked about him being a forward destroyer. Uh, as Steve Booth, had an interesting point for us, the fact that N'Golo Kante's average position was higher than Ross Barkley's in that match. And we thought Ross was going to be the attacking mid. Yeah, you know, I think after we after we see a couple of matches and different midfield configurations, N'Golo, um, I think Matteo made it a, an astute point earlier that, you know, N'Golo's uh, ability to take the ball off people is not... Uh, dependent on his position on the field, <laughs> he, he he will take you know your lunch money and uh, you know steal your car and all this other stuff on the field because he's just that talented um, and is so positionally aware uh, and it almost you know as you watch Angelo Conte and the beauty of him, it's almost as if he's predicting where the ball is going to go before the player even knows where he's going to pass it. Right, so he he. Uh, if he does the high press and he's able to win the ball back and in a really dangerous position, you could see that being very beneficial uh, for this team instead of winning it back, you know, three yards in front of David Louise as, as he's made a crazy <laughs> run up or something like that. So uh, I think he's going to be more forward than he was last season. It will depend on who the other midfielder is. If it's someone like Kovacic, uh, perhaps he he's a little bit further back. Uh, if it's someone like Ruben, you know, maybe the same. But, 
you know, in, in some cases, if, if you think about like a, a Cesc Fabregas, for example, a player who really loves the over-the-top kind of longer assist, you know, you could see a scenario of Cesc is on the pitch where uh, N'Golo is way further forward than Cesc. Uh, so I think it will just be positionally dependent. Um, I, I don't think it goes with, you know, it, it goes without saying that I just love this man. Uh, I love him. I think he is uh, incredible. And for him to play 90 yesterday... Uh, just shows you how fit and and how ready he is to take on this new challenge. You know, I, I just sorry, really quickly, I completely forgot about Fabregas. And I remember when I when I was watching a game, I think it was an ICC game or one of the friendlies where uh, Fabregas was playing alongside Jorginho. And that's another look that I could see uh, doing really well, having that double playmaker. And Fabregas is a different kind of playmaker than Jorginho. I think he goes for the long ball a lot more often, while Jorginho is just looking to spread it to drag players out of position. But Fabregas was a goal scorer earlier in his career. I think he's hit double digits several times. Um, but it seems like he's lost a step since then, since the Barcelona days when I when I was watching him week in, week out. When sometimes even for the Spanish national team, I remember Fabregas was playing almost as a second striker. So he can play up the pitch, as you mentioned. And if, if he's in that midfield three, he's probably going to see a much more advanced role than anything he saw last season. Yeah, more more a lack of defensive responsibility for Fabregas at this point in his career would be a, a quite the you know astute move. <laughs> yeah, well, without a doubt, um, Dan. I want to pull in on on some of these uh, awesome responses we had from our Instagram story. When we we're asking for questions. Uh, Wagner Leg saying, "Will Conte be moved to Cam this season?" <laughs> uh, let's see. We have the Shrey. Yep. Will N'Golo Conte have a 30-goal season? Jay checking Conte for the golden boot. And then Zubin saying, what kind of role do you think Conte will have in a 4-3-3? Which is probably the only realistic one out of out of those four. But this is the kind of hype train that, you know, it's like, how do you take an amazing destroyer defensive midfielder and turn him into a more complete box-to-box? Uh, you know, I know Conte was pushing him to get, you know, more forward and, and add passing to his game. He's already started the season with the goal, and that's because he's in the right place, right time. What? Okay, look, but here, I, I, don't, I don't look. Look, I, I don't want to rub it in. You know, I, I it's not who I am as a person, Nick. I don't definitely not quite frequently. No. Humble. But we did a, an episode about predictions oh, about who would be most improved under Sari, and uh, you know, you guys laughed at me for saying Golo Conte um, because game. he's going to go from being uh, hey, look, thirty-seven more games to score a goal in each one of them. You know, I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> We are all here for that. Um, I will say, though, if you imagine last year's problem of goals from midfield and you imagine that N'Golo Conte even gets like seven goals this year, which, you know, could potentially happen. How much does that change the dynamic of this midfield? I mean, it's it's incredible to think about. Maybe Kovacic or Ruben adding some goals in there, taking the pressure off of Hazard to do absolutely everything. Uh, I mean, that's immeasurable in terms of, of what this team can do. And and I think it changes how other teams play us. You don't get an overload if you're Manchester City or Arsenal or Tottenham. You don't get an overload on, on Eden Hazard on the left without potentially sacrificing another part of the pitch. You know, if N'Golo gets forward or William gets forward or we somehow have a striker who can score a goal, uh, it's going to be pretty impressive uh, to see the balance that this team has. And I think that's... That's what I'm most looking forward to, you know, with with Ingolo and Jorginho getting goals yesterday. It's it's a balanced thing. All right. Well, one that I've kind of been picking around at from a lineup standpoint and a personal standpoint, Mateo, has actually been Alonzo and Emerson. So I love Alonzo. He runs so much, uh, puts in a hard shift, but he did well in a 3-5-2. Now that we're into a, a back four, to me, I just feel like Emerson Palmieri is is built for for this role. Uh, you know, that's what he was doing at, at Roma, is my understanding. What do you think between the uh, Alonzo and the Emerson? And I should give credit. This is coming from Brendan Moore, 17 on Instagram. So I think that and it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. Emerson played as a – I think his best season at Roma, he was a wingback as well under Spalletti in a, in a 3-5-2 if I'm not mistaken. But uh, both these guys, and especially Alonso, are one of my favorite fullbacks in the Serie A when he was at Fiorentina. Always a goal-scoring football uh, uh, fullback, great from the set piece. But 
with Sarri, forget fullback, forget wingback, they're always going to be wingbacks. They're going to be everything. They're going to cover every single blade of grass that you have on either flank. So Alonso's going to have to put in a shift like he's never put in before. He's going to always have to be the winger making the overlapping runs and then tracking back. And he's going to be asking and hopefully getting help from the winger, whoever it is, whether it's Hazard on that side or anyone else that's stepping in. So it's going to be a team effort, but both those guys, I think Chelsea's blessed to have two fantastic left-footed players. Personally, I'd give the slight nod to Alonso just because he gives you that extra in terms of the goal scoring. I mean, the fact that he scored, I think, what, 14 or 13 goals in the last two seasons just in the Premier League for Chelsea. I mean, you know, that that tally right there is a massive luxury. I don't know how many fullbacks you have in world football that are scoring that sort of right. He has a lovely left foot. Um, but you're you're basically spoiled for choice in two players that should fit the sorry mold perfectly. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. What I will say, too, on top of that is, you know, he got a lot of flack, you know, and, and again, we'll go back to the patience argument, but the, the patience defense is that ultimately, you know, Alonzo actually did extremely well closing down in this game and, you know, marking his man and getting backward and also advancing forward enough to draw the penalty. So you know, I think maybe suspend, you know, we could suspend or mute the Alonzo hate campaign that tends to exist uh, because he's not quote unquote fast enough. I actually think positional awareness in this game was one of the better ones that we've seen from him. And, you know, perhaps that's down to coaching. Perhaps that's down to, again, what we saw when he knew there was competition for his spot when Nathan Ake was brought in behind him is that he elevated his game. And I think he's also a candidate for game evolution this season, you know, under sorry. I think he will evolve yeah. into a striker, personally. I'm kidding. <laughs> Did he have to I use mean, a we'll stone see. to do that? Yeah. No, that, I mean, look, this is... The, he took a sh- he took a rip in the second half, and I was like, man, I don't know if any of our strikers would hit it that hard. Like, he's his left foot is just unbelievable. Yeah, he can. he's a pure striker of the ball. I mean, he almost had his, his overhead kick, too, you know. Oh, that was right, ridiculous. That would have been the goal of the game. Oh, man. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, you know, look, the good news is spoiled for choice is great. I just hope it's not like with Mourinho and we had Felipe Luis and Espilicueta on the left side and we never saw Felipe Luis. And then he goes on to Atletico Madrid and makes it back to the freaking Champions League semifinal. We're like, oh, he wasn't that bad. We should, probably should have played him a little bit more. But, you know, hey, who am I to manage? I'm just an armchair fan. So, <laughs> uh, last one we have actually. So, Nick, what, what are you thinking? When it comes to Barkley in Sari Ball, we've only seen him a few times. Obviously, this is the healthiest we've ever seen him. But, you know, not taking a shot at him, that's not saying much. So V-Factor 07 getting in saying, how good was Barkley, do y'all think, too, that he'll just get better with time? So he's implying that V-Factor thinks Barkley's going to get good this season. Do you agree, Nick? I hope so. I, I didn't see a lot, if I'm honest. And and I would much, you know, I'm I'm... I think I'm I'm biased in this regard because I I believe in Ruben and I hope Ruben takes it. You know, like I've said before, I don't think that Ruben was ever going to come in and just be gifted a spot into the starting eleven because you know he's a Chelsea player through and through. But uh, I didn't see a ton from Barkley yesterday. I think he struggled positionally. Uh, he's not only just where he was supposed to be to receive passes. He got a little bit better in the second half. But to me, it was the awareness of who was around him. He had the ball taken off of him a couple of times where it's just like, God, like, you just don't kind of know where you're at. Or, you know, I don't know. It just, it kind of frustrated me. So, you know, I think as Kovacic becomes ingrained with the team and, and Ruben becomes aware of the system, having come back a little later uh, in preseason, I don't anticipate Barkley's going to have a ton of, of um, a ton of starts uh, as we as we go down the line here personally, but that's I think just my my preference. Should we should we clarify that as starts in the Premier League? Because I, I think ultimately you know he's probably going to get the opportunity, much like a couple of the other players, to get minutes in League Cup, FA Cup, and you know first rounds of Europa League. But I, I do think you're right in the assessment that. Kovacic, Jorginho, Conte ends up becoming that you know midfield three, and that Barkley and Ruben Loftus Cheek and Fabregas are all kind of fighting for the the scraps, so to speak, when it comes to the Premier League minutes. 
Well, I think the the balance is what I worry about too. You know, let's let's pretend that you know the starting three are, are Kovacic, Jorginho, and Golo Kante. If you take all three of those out and replace them with the three that you just mentioned, that's a very very imbalanced midfield. Um, so, you know, it's almost as if you know we're going to have to figure out another kind of pairing or, or integrating one of the the starters into a Europa League match just to have some sort of consistency because. I can't imagine for for Sari that um, that just a, a straight swap with those three is going to work. I mean, it it would be disjointed and it's probably going to look kind of ugly at the first uh, first couple of goes. All right, well, look, this is only the first game of the season. We're I mean we we're we're pushing an hour off of a ninety minute match, which which is fantastic. So, so excited. We're, we're gonna we're gonna bring this one kind of to an end here with our, our typical um, any other additional thoughts or comments, gentlemen. Dan, anything else from this match you want to pull out that we haven't talked about? Well, we we talked about the best part, which was Jorginho's penalty. So you know, I, I don't know necessarily if there's anything else. Uh, you know, Marisa Sari's comments after the the match were really nice as well, and you know, I, I think you know he's gonna be. You know, continue to be well received amongst the English media. I think you know he's you know come in and has said the right things and has put forward a very positive message and has also tempered expectations appropriately. And I think when you do that, you give yourself the luxury of being able to experiment and be comfortable within that. And I think counter to what Nick said about the pressure, like I actually generally think that the club is very aware of this idea that this is not an immediate adaptation it's not like going from a defensive minded coach to a defensive minded coach like we're overhauling everything completely and there needs to be a level of patience maybe that we haven't seen previously and uh, that that's got me excited i would i would yeah. quickly add at the end here that at the pub with the 10 or so uh people that that, that i was with on saturday that um the, the loudest round of applause for the day was when ed hazard came on the pitch uh, it was wonderful, and uh, and just a quick note to Real Madrid because we know that they're listening. Um, fuck off, Matteo. <laughs> um, anything that you wanted to pull out that we haven't yeah. really touched on yet? Yeah, we didn't touch on the most important thing that we should do a whole new podcast on, and that's Maurizio Sarri's smoke room that Chelsea installed for him. <laughs> like, when, so what I've learned is when you see the sick being pulled out you know that there's trouble so as long as you don't see the sig on the touchline that means that everything's good but anytime his teams are going down or there's a red card that he doesn't agree with you're going to see a sig come out he's going to take a long puff take the fine whatever he doesn't care the guy's smoking two packs a day it's uh, amazing you can see the, it really the, is the images of I mean, him showing the cigarette butt during the match oh yeah. man he's at <laughs> Yeah, he then, needs the nicotine gum introduction is what he needs. Can they get him a vape? Don't they have vape pens? Oh, well, <laughs> what, what about a patch? You know, a patch would be an option too, right? It's like kind of regulated patches. over time. Yeah, he'd, he'd have him up and down the arm like a, he'd look like a zebra. It's, he's not a symbol of, of supreme health, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, we don't want to take away your highlight of the day, and that is the first man of the match poll of the season. And I think based on a participation was way up and then b you didn't really get sl- slotted on on the mentions i think you did a pretty good job well I, I, the only one that got called out was not factoring in Luis, and because he almost gave up a penalty and got cautioned i'm sorry i, I can't abide i can't abide by giving the guy a man in the match or putting him in the contention of the poll um Jorginho, conte pedro hazard were our four options uh, and you would say, Dan, why why could someone who's been on the pitch for only 10 to 15 minutes be an option? Well, it's Eden Hazard, okay? 10 minutes of Eden Hazard is, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, millions of minutes of Aaron Ramsey on the pitch. Um, you know, this is, Ugh. you know, leagues of difference. Um, Jorginho wins, though, with 49% of the vote, and he was also Chelsea's man of the match. Golo Conte was the Premier League's man of the match, though. And, of course uh, he was. You know, either, either way, I think you, uh, you win. Again, like, this is... It's great to talk about the names on our squad and not have to mention like a you know a certain liquid based name um, at the end and have that as a name in contention for man of the match. Like that's this is uh, this is exciting. This is good, Nick. This is a really good thing. Ah, uh, Conte is is mine, but I, I'm all good as as long as we're winning and these are happy polls. I think we can all just be just be plum impressed. 
Awesome. Well, as it stands, Chelsea are in second place on a whopping three points, tied with about seven other teams. Uh, but Chelsea, with a three-goal goal difference, gets them into second. Liverpool in first, Bournemouth in third, and Crystal Palace Just in like fourth. we drew it up, you know? That's, exactly. That's the top four. Just let it be done. There you go. <laughs> Arsenal in 15th, if you want to pull that one out. Uh, you know. Anyways, that's obviously who we'll be playing next. So that is going to go ahead and wrap up part one of this week's podcast series. We'll be coming back at you later this week uh, with an update from our Veterans Community Project Foundation uh, raffle that we did as far as announcing winners. And we'll also be doing all of your social media questions much more in-depth in the Arsenal preview. So uh, before we leave, Mateo, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you on a first time. Uh, and also let us know where all of our, our listeners should go follow you at to stay in touch. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, on Twitter at the Calcho Guy, although I need to change it because it's hard to pronounce. And then you can find me on Be in Sports doing La Liga games, Serie A games, Ligon games, uh, shows usually Monday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern called The Express Extra, where we kind of preview the weekend of European football. So, yeah, get on it. Be in sports. Awesome. Love it. And Bums, Nick, Dan, you guys did great. Welcome back. I, I don't think what I, I expected. want to come back now. Don't want to come back now. <laughs> oh, man. Keep the banter going, Chelsea fans. Uh, three points in the back. That's how we wanted to start it off with Maurizio, and we did it. So uh, lots to continue talking about this week. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.